Today at the SDGI Directors in Dialogue, director Conor McPherson talks about his award-winning feature film, The Eclipse. Fellow director Paddy Brannock leads the discussion. We think we know things, we have an illusion of control on our little life, we're here for a brief moment, but we don't know where energy or the universe or space or time came from or where they'll go. And uh, living in that predicament seems to me to be sort of, that's our context. And I always love to frame our stories within the unknown. And I suppose with this film too, it was a way of taking the audience maybe into Michael's inner emotional world uh, with all the stuff he's dealing with so it's very much in this film I think a a mixture of real emotional grief and unresolved feelings and using the supernatural to uh, to somehow explicate that in a very brutal way uh, so that we sort of are going on that emotional journey with him towards some kind of resolution So that's how it that's how it works sort of in this film I think hopefully. And it, it, I wonder it's just as I was watching it there I was thinking you know if there was an Irish genre maybe it should be ghosts as opposed to horror you know that there's something particular in the ghost yeah, story where yeah. there's a melancholy or something as well that's able to be held that it's yeah our ghost stories in Ireland are always very sad about people who are sort of jilted or died in some sad way and the sort of you can hear them sort of crying and sort of like the, yeah, ban- the, the banshee, banshee which there's a mo- element of that in it uh, you know motif yeah. there and the great thing about the banshee too is that the banshee is sort of so peculiar to Ireland in the sense that it's a ghostly thing but at the same time it's a very deep pagan supernatural reality of somehow an old god probably or goddess has yeah. somehow been subsumed into a sort of more a folk tale yeah. kind of thing but I think it's still very deep in the Irish people's psyche yeah. Banshee I think yeah. uh, I hope so yeah. and uh, I love all that so we have one in the film yeah it's um, just when you were saying that there um, one of the things I was thinking about is that like in uh, and not to stay too long in the plays and, and stuff as well but in the early plays there isn't the ghosts like but there's a kind of crazy energy in the characters and, and sort of that a sort of kind of anarchy in there inside them in some way yeah and then when the ghosts have come into your work it's almost that that has corresponded maybe there's a lot more sort of healing and gentleness and sort of positive the ghosts i think have also been accompanied by a sort of more positive gentler view of the world or something like that is that fair or i don't know i think so i think that's right i think as you get older and mature more you want to do stories which are not just about chaos I think as you mature, you want to have stories which somehow, to me anyway, reach a sense of peace, which I suppose is maybe what, as a more mature person, I'm looking for in my life. Whereas when I was younger, I was probably just looking for the action, and I didn't care how it ended. Yeah. But um, but now I do, and yeah. I suppose the supernatural thing, it represents God. Yeah. Now you know, not that I'm a religious person or anything like that, but certainly the search for an underlying logic to yeah. our existence yeah. I think is a, a very strong um, desire for a lot of people um, and I think just on an emotional level it is and so for me in the work that I've done I think that it, um, it, it, it resonates with that kind of vibration for me that kind of stuff which I think hits us on a kind of very deep primal level it's not supposed to be intellectual it's not about it's not a theological thing yeah. but it's just an emotional feeling that we want the great mother to take us back yeah. at some point I suppose and um, so it's just all that kind of stuff One of the, just thinking about that and relating it then to the way the way the film looks and the aesthetic in the film which is very beautiful and very painterly I think you know and uh, and also very controlled and I think particularly I was looking a lot of the interiors where you see the, the outside the window and the sort of sense of a big, other big things that yeah. are outside, yeah. um, you know, the big churches outside or, or sort of a very, it's almost like there's a painting within the, the frame of a, a painting. Yeah. And that sort of in some way gives a depth to, uh, yeah. uh, to allow some of those ideas 
yeah. fulminate as well. I always wanted it to feel like you could sort of see through their world into the beyond, into yeah. infinity. Yeah. So that's why we shot so much of it in mirrors. Uh, yeah. Usually with a, there's a window into the beyond or a sky or even a very strong religious yeah. uh, iconography. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was all very deliberate and very heavy handed, I'm sure. No, it isn't at all. I think it's like I think it's really beautifully, uh, beautifully um, positioned in it. You know. Yeah, just to me, it just make it. It just makes it interesting because I want that stuff to feel real. I want it to feel real, and that for Michael to feel very close to the beyond. Yeah. Because he is in the film very close to the beyond yeah. and to something that he can't control and all of that. It sort of gives things. It sort of almost like creates in the frame or something like that. It creates. Um, what's the way? Like it's almost like airflow. So it's not necessarily that it means a, a thing, but it creates energy that's going through the frame. So that the ideas that you have are sort of somehow taken with that a little bit, and you can you know, definitely that, totally. It's like it's like we're here. There's the world of the film, and beyond the world of the film yeah. is the world of the eternal. Yeah. And so the film is a gateway into the yeah, eternal. Yeah. You know, and I really wanted it to feel like. Yeah, that. I think yeah. it really works very very well. Sorry. And the shots that you did. Oh, oh yeah, they were fantastic. I thought. <laughs> um, you did a number of shots did you do in the film. I think there's, there's a few, there's about half a dozen. You gave me like three or four, I think, in the end. <laughs> Paddy did some second no, units for us on the on the film. Um, yeah. But ta um, just I might see Does if everyone, there's. Do you know everyone? Do you want to go around. Well, sure. If anybody wants to say it and introduce yourself as we go, or whatever. And any, shall, shall I keep going? Are you Could I just in yeah. the original story, the Billy Rose story? No, there weren't. Billy's original story was set against the backdrop of a literary festival in Wexford. And Michael Farr in the story is married, he has kids. Okay. And um, he goes on a kind of a mad breakdown over the few days of the festival. He begins to kind of stalk this writer, this woman, and she's really there to meet this other guy. She doesn't want to have anything to do with him, and they never do have anything to do with each other in his story. And Michael kind of goes nuts and wrecks her house. He sort of smashes the whole place up. And we were working on this, <laughs> we thought this might make a good film, and uh, we were working on it, and um, when my wife read an early draft, she said it would be so much better if his wife was not in the picture because he's so unsympathetic. It's in a story. It's fine to go on someone's mad journey, but when you put them up there in the screen and go, it's like, why should we go around with this guy? It's ugh. so. Um, I thought, well, if he's a widower, it just opened up a whole other thing for me, and also, and he became much more sympathetic then. So, but we did an enormous amount of drafts. I mean, we must have done about twenty drafts, and so we changed a lot as it went along. But yeah, um, uh, pretty much was. Uh, on the screenplay team as well, so obviously he was okay with that. Did you see the ghost? But he was cool with it, yeah. But he, but he was really cool with it. You know, he he understood how it was where where it was, where where it was going and where it needed to go. And Billy's. And you had a relationship that you'd worked with Billy before, and you're kind of there's a respect there. So there was. I've known Billy a long time. Yeah. Uh, yeah so we've known each other a very long time. So that was that was fine. And also it was just great working with someone you like and having, having a good time. No, there was never any never any hassle. And um, he's in the film, he's the guy there, the guy running the festival is Billy Roach. Um, he's a good actor too, he never seems like he's acting. Yeah. yeah. One that just occurred to me when you were saying that again, the, in terms of the script and just small things that, you know, only maybe a few beats, but they really resonate and hold. And the story of the daughter, I think is fantastic. You know. Just do you want a cup of tea, or um, is it yeah. cold up there? Yeah. And then the hug at the end—it's just like, the, like pe really pared down, but yet whole uh, meaty uh, worlds there. Are there like, how, just in terms of you writing, Connor? How did those things come in, or whatever? Did are they? Do they come in 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 sort of little things that occur to you, or did they come in a more structural sense? I think initially the screenplay was a lot longer and yeah. so um, and over all the drafts we did I kept trying to make it shorter and shorter and shorter until it was only about 60 pages because I wanted it to have a lot of space and I wanted for um, small moments to be given a lot of time so I think people reading it probably thought there's nothing happening in this scene you know because the scene would literally be 
exterior tennis court. The kids get out of the car. Yeah. Sarah turns around, goes back, leans in, gives her dad a hug. He drives away, and yeah. so it's nothing. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. But you sort of you know if you're if you can get it right that it's going to mean something. You know. Yeah. At the same time too, you don't want to be when you're writing something like that. You don't want you don't want to put in a screenplay like you know this is a great moment <laughs> and it's very moving because you're like you know you you hope it's going to be good yeah, but yeah, yeah. you sort of really want to hang back yeah. and with all that stuff so um so yeah deliberately gave everything a lot of air yeah kept the screenplay really short yeah um, because i'd done films in the past which were very dialogue heavy and the screenplay was like 134 pages yeah and it was, some days you're shooting we're going to shoot all this yeah, it's just like yeah. it's endless whereas uh, with this one I was like I want it to be as short as possible yeah. so that we would, could actually go the opposite way and make scenes longer yeah yeah um, in terms of say the process of working and uh, uh, directing and rehearsing did, like, did you spend much time beforehand rehearsing or how, how does that work for you and what, what, and what sort of yeah. how do you approach a rehearsal um, it's very different I think for uh, no, my background was in theatre and in a play you rehearse for weeks doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over until you know it gets deeper and deeper hopefully and when they hit the stage it has a kind of a great confidence but on film as you all know you're just trying to capture a moment in time that's it and if you get it you've got it yeah. so it's the opposite we sort of I tended to shoot the rehearsal yeah. in case there was just a tentative yeah. thing happening yeah. we rehearsed very little we spent a couple of days working on the script together we changed it a lot okay. about a week before we started shooting yeah. um, when we got the actors on the location and stuff so yeah it was like that really but I did and would that be would you change a little bit when you feel say the energy of a particular actor oh, and yeah. how you need to adjust because of them or whatever yeah. completely you yeah. have to do that I think you've got to You've got to mould the character around the actor yeah. for, I think, f to get the very best performance. So I would always, and if they have anything they want to say or anything they don't want to say, I always would be like, totally, that is fine. Yeah. You do it, you show me. Yeah. Unless it's gone totally over a line of, well, that's yeah. not the story, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, as long as it's something they feel strongly about, then I kind of go, okay, now it's yours, it's up to you. You give me the performance, you, yeah. you show me. Yeah. And. So they have an own, they develop an ownership. They own it, yeah, that's thing. right, because they're going to you, you know, I find anyway, no, yeah. I think it should be this, and yeah. I would never fight them on that, I'd always yeah. say, yeah, yeah, let's do it. And a lot of the time as well, I did as few takes as I possibly could, some scenes in the film, that's, that's the only take that exists. Yeah, yeah. And I also tried to shoot them without too much coverage. Yeah. Why? Be, to, to create an energy of, uh, that this is, the mo this is the moment, so it needs to be, now or whatever is with that idea or yeah definitely partly that of trying to capture something real but mm. also just to give myself the space to keep working on one thing and get it to the point of i had the camera move exactly right and yeah. everything exactly right then bring in the actors at the last possible moment yeah. and then it's theirs yeah so we're not going to bother them we're not going to disturb them and um so it was like that yeah, yeah. and i didn't want to just go for endless you know, I wanted to try and capture the feeling of time yeah. passing as, a, if, as it feels real, yeah. I suppose. You know, just all those things. But you know yourselves when you're working on a project, sometimes some things are really important to you yeah. about a project. And on this one, it was all about yeah. I'm doing as many shots, as, as many scenes as I can in one yeah. take with no cuts, yeah. no coverage, yeah. mad stuff. Because yeah. sometimes just if for some reason a scene doesn't work, for a technical reason or whatever, you can't use it. Yeah, you can't use any of it. You're stuck then. You're yeah, 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 yeah. But um, no, we were for some reason we sort of got away with it. Yeah. With the fight, the fight scene that was an amazing scene. Did, how did you come up with that? The main thing about that was that the actors were just totally committed to it. There was two things we wanted to do. One was well, they wanted to. Do, they didn't want to have any stunt doubles, which was I think they were correct. Uh, but the second thing was that I felt that fights that I've ever seen in real life tend to be just really messy and mm. kind of people fall and slip and kind of hurt themselves without anybody touching them, you know, and um, so it was about trying to capture that chaos in that funny way. Um, but they were totally up for it. We, it took us a day to shoot that scene, so we had, but in the morning, even 
was playing Lena. She broke her toe at about half nine in the morning and uh, unfortunately had to just keep shooting all day. Okay. And uh, in fairness to her, she did. Um, but it was... It's great. I, it's funny, I love that scene as well because, I mean, fights are, I think they're hard, you know, that physical stuff is hard to do, I find. Um, but uh, the comedy in it, the balance where it hits a little bit of comedy, but then it doesn't go, you don't let it go too far with that. And uh, and it's sort of comedy, uh, uh, ridiculous, do you know what I mean? Of the, ri like the ridiculousness of human nature at times and something like that, I find it. But yet it doesn't, it's, uh, it's buried as well. Well, that scene actually went on longer and uh, it ended up with um, even hitting Aiden's character over the head with a teapot, which then and then he sort of fell into a load of shelves, which all collapsed on top yeah. of him. So, but it, it sort of then had gone over the line into slapstick by yeah, then. Yeah. So we sort of cut it sooner. Just holding that. Just still on the line of it's stupid, but it's not. Yeah, and it's, you, but it's you not know. like when I say it's comedy, it's it, it it's buried and it's the yeah, it's yeah. it's it's a sort of rich blend of the, of comedy, but also your. Yeah. Uh, well, I think the Aiden Quinn in this film, he really bring something to it that yeah. probably I hadn't even foreseen to yeah, be honest with you he was so great yeah and he was so um, he's like I kept apologising kind of going this guy I know he's such he's like he's just like such a dick you know and he was going no 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 he said uh, he's in pain yeah he says I really get this guy yeah. so I was like okay yeah. <laughs> that's cool so um, so he played it like totally like he yeah. was so into it he was, he was so fraught when he was when he was doing it yeah. and it was yeah. um, he really he really put everything he had into it you yeah. know um, no he was he was fantastic yeah and the vanity is great as well you know yeah, yeah. Is, sorry I, I'm curious if a post on this because um, genres have rules regulations horror one and the family drama to a large extent and grieving father and sort of spilling between two genres to a large extent and how you were dealing with the, the, the consequences of a horror scene and then coming back to the drama and it's quite a big journey for the viewer to take between those and how are you dealing with that post especially the editing um well it was all conceived that way so it wasn't like we suddenly had this mess that we were like, how are we going to figure out this? I mean, we re this is what we were trying to do. So um, the posts had the logic of any post of any film. It's like, how do we, how do we optimize these moments? Um, usually we found less is more with the horror stuff. Just keep it really brief. Um, get out of it before we get to, I don't know, get to, get to understand it. You know, that it should be shocking and gone rather than oh we're in the presence of a ghost for too long so yeah but as you know in any filmmaking process there comes a time in the edit where the film is telling you what it is and uh, it was the same with this one it was telling us like the, you know I mean a rhythm start you start to just feel the rhythm and stuff the, you know I wonder if the, the way it hits the genre as well though you know it hits the sort of horror ghost genre in a like connection with the 70s I think you know oh, as yeah, well yeah. and the 70s horrors and ghost stories are, are different in a way and the way that yeah. visually the way they connect into drama or visual dra like say Don't Look Now or something like that you know Don't Look Now The Exorcist yeah. of course and The Shining you know as films which was yeah, that a homage to The Shining The Shot of the Wardrobe uh, the shot of the world. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's the, that's the shot when Jack Nicholson goes to the larder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah the like is. exactly. Worms but, view. Yeah, um, or a ripoff. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, that was definitely that was perfect. That was stra really. straight out of that, sh straight yeah. out of The Shining. But it's that kind of thing of playing on the. Yeah, it's a horror film, but it's perhaps it's about madness, which The Shining very much as a film is like. Yeah. What the fuck? Rosemary's Baby. Like there was something in the tone yeah. of it. But mm. yeah, well, the, yeah. the the sort of the, the camera feel, I think, definitely the angles, wider angles, and a slight looseness in 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 the sort of uh, yeah. breathing in the camera, almost, I think, is all there, and and that flows into the drama, I think, so much better than 
you know, impact, um, cutting, cutting yeah, on impact yeah. stuff, you know. Have you watched any Eastern yeah. Asian films or anything like that? Um, I'd, I've seen them, but I didn't, I suppose maybe there's something of it there, but I didn't, wasn't like, a, I didn't use any of those as references, but um, I did tend to try and just shoot it on as wide lenses as possible, usually most of the films sort of shot in a 24mm lens mm -hmm. to 20 but um, in other films I've made before I'd always love shooting on long lenses because you just mm -hmm. love the lovely mm -hmm. depth of focus mm -hmm. but on this one I just felt that I wanted to be able to uh, to see their world and for it to be very um, austere in that mm -hmm. way like mm -hmm. it's just very the film feels very in control yeah it's not you know and you're like where, where, what's happening it's like nothing's happening until yeah this scene is finished. Do you yeah, know that kind yeah. of like, it's that, that kind of feeling that I always get from Roman Polanski's films. Yeah. And um, you know, we were just slightly on edge. You're like, I don't yeah. know why. Yeah. But it's just simply that he's, he's he's just sticking it in your face and he's not going anywhere. Yeah. Um, so those influences we're trying to trying to use. Yeah. Is it all location? It takes a lot of preparation. I mean, I was I went to each location. I'd say at least three times, working out the blocking in the weeks before we started shooting. But it was very important because then when we got to do it, we were very prepared, you know. But yeah, it's a lot of, you know, you gotta prep it. And you storyboarded this uh, I storyboarded some little bits of it, um, but I kinda had, I could see it in my head, really. I could see it, you know, so, um, yeah. I sort of storyboarded the horror bits, and then I sort of, for some reason, I found that I, did, I, I when I got to do it, that often happens, you do something else, but, yeah. Was it all location? Did you build any sets? Yeah, it was all location. The one set we built was for Michael's bedroom, for the wardrobe bit. Yeah, 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 because we built that up on a rostrum so that mm -hmm. we could get the, the depth underneath and shoot underneath. Mm -hmm. So we just built some there, but, mm -hmm. uh, but mostly it's all location, yeah. Mm -hmm. Down in Cove mm -hmm. in County Cork. Mm -hmm. You could make a... That could be your place where you make all your films, at the Queenstown to Kingstown to yeah, Queenstown. Yeah, it'd be great. You'd be there, your alternative be fabulous. reality. Uh, well, the good thing about just shooting a film all in one little town is it's yeah. kind of like you feel like you're on your set all the time. Yeah. You're sort of walking around. Yeah, you know? it's such an amazing town as well. It is. Yeah, it really is. And you used it so well. Like when that scene where they're coming down the, the steps, yeah. you know, and the, the, I think there's a window there with the Virgin Mary yeah. in the window and the big long thing. That yeah. reminds me, I can't remember, there's a Wickham Wickham I made, but there's also there's a famous painting, like, you know, a German expression oh. painting, all the angles coming down oh, like that, I don't know. Or, or the, um, I can't yeah, remember who it is. But it was like, so there's in the one place to be able to get all of those uh, Oh, it's great, like yeah, but I find, like, I mean, uh, that Irish architecture, and I know you, you would find this too, it's mm -hmm. like, um, it's awful. It's very uncinematic mostly, yeah. and uh, you know you go into buildings and they don't have any scale. Yeah. But the great thing about Cove is that it's all a lot of it is period architecture. And yeah. when they're building those houses back in the day, they built them really huge. Yeah. So the rooms just have this enormous yeah. scale. Um, and so the hills, I think. Uh, the hills yeah. was great, and just that architecture just gives it a gothic atmosphere. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. The, the, actually, it's funny that you talked about you know the architecture and just brought that out, even the visual, you know visual language or just the, the ephemeral things that you see like tennis courts you said earlier on you know you don't see many Irish films that have a tennis court in it and yet people play tennis here and yet and it's universal in some way and it allows you you to a little bit to escape little things that I feel allow yeah, yeah. the film to escape from uh, yeah. sort of a classic view of Ireland or yeah, particularly yeah, where there's yeah. religious backdrops <laughs> in it and that, do you know what I mean? That yeah. it feels like a wider world. Yeah. Yeah. Well the tennis court was uh, our uh, our great designer Mark Garrity, who yeah. you know, yeah. he's a fantastic designer. He's Mark is also an all-round film brain yeah. on every level, you know, yeah. and uh, I think I had them where they're going to the cinema or something yeah. like that, yeah. when she was going to give him the hug yeah. or something. He's, I don't know why, but he said to me it should be a tennis court, and yeah. it was a very good idea. I think it is a good just idea. Just yeah. it opens it up, um, you know. But other ideas that Mark had, like all the way along, it was his idea that Malachi should kill himself. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. This is when we're going around looking yeah. at locations. Yeah. And you go, oh yeah. yeah. Um, so he's he's amazing. I don't know if any of you have worked with him, but if you're ever looking for a good designer, he's just yeah. incredible. I just found the the conventions of kind of the 
the, I thought the score was exquisite and just that as soon as it went quiet I just thought we're in trouble here you know yeah. it's going to get nasty and then it's you're lured into this false sense of security but I think that's why it doesn't you're saying about the conventions of it being you know is it horror or drama or where does it lie and I think the music played this fundamental kind of um, we don't know where we are. Is he going mad? Is this a drama about madness? And for me, that's what I, I really felt. That he was going mad, and I didn't think it was a horror. Yeah. And then I, I realised it was about grief. The whole thing, essentially, this was about him dealing with his psychological. And so, as you say, in a kind of broader phil philosophical way, is that we know nothing, and so therefore that's were uh, reminded that in the film that we know nothing so we need, we know nothing about him we know nothing about ourselves and it's that's i felt its power it's just uh, i don't know if there's a point there but <laughs> just in relation his interest in the music and maybe yeah. to my talk about the music because connor was very uh, directly and closely involved in the music so i don't understand I, my wife wrote most of it and okay. i helped her with it but uh, the choral music as well yeah yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, and we. Uh, I was really happy when I started hearing the choral music. Yeah. yeah, it's it's something that I saw, you know, in the deer hunter when he's hunting deer up in the mm -hmm. mountains, and this choral score suddenly comes up, and the whole thing just goes. It's just something yeah. so cinematic about it. Like, I know. Uh, it's just yeah. not used enough. But we used a lovely choir who were um, like, this is a good tip too, is that like there's actually quite a few choirs around yeah. and. The, the choir we used were an amateur choir who were based up in Trinity College called the Mornington Singers, and their conductor really helped us to do the arrangements. Okay. And, uh, it, was, it was great. It's, it's just on the point of the music and the genres and all that, the way that the choral uh, stuff helps you make some right angle turns at some stage <laughs> where you're going to bring yeah. in a horror element. Yeah, yeah. I think and you it, use that more so. Yeah, yeah. and I think it would have yeah. been hard to do that uh, with, in a, with a different type of music. I think it really lets you go right very close to the shot that's going to bring you into horror. That's uh, it, yeah, because know? we got them to sing and then to scream. Yeah. And uh, to go from like so that's a live take. That's yeah, them yeah. singing, and then they yeah. and yeah. and I was able to conduct them to do it, yeah. watching the shot. Yeah, yeah. And um, fun. Yeah, it was great because then then you I don't know it sucks you into a place before you know it's even happening. You're there and you're like oh shit. Uh, I think it's a marvelous film and it's definitely up and put it in my list of Irish films. I really uh, really like. But what were the main difficulties you you came across? The main difficulty with this film was, like every Irish film I suppose to an extent, was that nobody was interested in making it, you know, and we couldn't raise any interest really, and um, finally, um, I think the Irish Film Board had sort of shown, yeah, you know, if, if there's other funding, you know, that kind yeah. of way, which, which was great, they were behind it, but of course they can't give you enough to make a film, um, so when RTE then sort of started to get interested, it was like, oh, maybe we can do this, maybe we can make this. And, but then the trick was to try to uh, to keep your ambition for it then as a feature film. That was the way we had to think of it and to keep it going that way. And then very, we then... It was did like you have Kieran on board when you, or did that come before or after the, the, the funding was in place? I think we sort of knew we could do it, and then yeah, I had approached. Do you think that made a difference when you? No, Kieran would be very respected and well known, but he's not going to suddenly get mm. hard money he's involved. Not that, it's that not like we've suddenly got you know Colin Farrell or mm. whatever will really mm. make a difference, you know. No, but we weren't looking for that though. I think the great, th the good thing about all of that is though, and I think it's great for all of us here in this room to remember, is that making a film that nobody wants to give you any money for means you have total control to make the film that you want to make because even if you even if the producers don't like something what are they going to do they're not going to give you the money to reshoot it or yeah, you know recut it there's no you say okay we need two more weeks in the editing suite mm. and oh okay it's fine yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? mm. it's um not that that happened on this it didn't but i because i think people know that they they know that they know we have a film here great and we made it and that's fantastic because I've been involved with films before, even not like huge budgets, but you know, say like five or six million, that's a lot of money in the sense of us making films in Ireland. And that's a lot of people to listen to. You know, if you can keep it down, mm. you'll be... You yeah, can, I mean, like you know. I work, I'm obviously trying to work, do features, but 
working probably is like every, a lot of people here. It's in, when you're working in short form, it's the same thing. It's like if you're doing a music video for somebody and they have a few grand, they know that like what they're gonna get is what they're gonna get. Exactly, so you do have yeah. the you have they trust you to do what they, I guess. It's it's better for them to say do whatever you want, like I guess, because they're probably totally. gonna, there's a chance that they get a better product back that way. Or well, that's it. But that's interesting to hear. It's the same and oh, completely. For like a t what was it two million? It was two million euros. Yeah, mm. I mean, just two million is now a million. <laughs> probably we're in a deflationary yeah. zone. We there. when we started shooting when we started shooting this though we were sort of it was end of two thousand and eight and although things hadn't gone totally horrible. <laughs> Um, we were finding that there was locations that even a few weeks before we had gone to and they were telling us to get lost that about a month or two later they were far more amenable yeah. and uh, we were able to get deals like uh, we were all able to live down there and um, we were all put up on these in these houses on um, on a lovely um, a lovely hotel complex which I'd say a year before we oh, couldn't yeah. have got near, yeah. or it would have been too busy. Yeah. We couldn't have afforded it, so we just were. But you know, it's uh, it's how long the shoot? It was twenty five days. So. Oh wow, cool. When yeah. when which time? What time of year? Sep oh, September right? October. Yeah. Yeah. September October. Amazing weather. It just all it just looks so beautiful. All the scenes. And but a lot of that is luck too. You know, like the thing yeah. is, yeah, you can plan for it, and you can, you say so hope now when we do that scene, it's going to have a nice sky. You know. Yeah. But um, yeah, yeah. Well, it's great, didn't you? Like, yeah, yeah, totally. Good, yeah. It's nice weather for the next twenty minutes. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Oh, <laughs> you should have that line in like every Irish yeah. movie. Yeah. Yeah. Very yeah. start. Yeah. Just to yeah. apologise exactly. for that. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's lack of weather. But it was kind of like that, you know, when we were shooting. Where did the rest of the money come from then? RTE or the the Irish Film Board, and something. DCI. Something. Yeah, the Broadcasting Commission and Board. Tax. And Section Four Eight One. All yeah. All yeah. Which would be great, like if there was a, uh, continued to make you know, happen, if yeah. say RT were interested in uh, doing five or six films a year and BCI were there, you could actually begin to develop quite a nice rhythm of films coming out and that, yeah. you know, after a while yeah, like, yeah, yeah, of yeah. doing that there's a critical mass that comes and reputations can be developed and built and an audience can be developed as well with that. Well the, so, thing, the thing is though, like I mean, what you, and then the, the, the stunning thing that happens to you then is you've made it, okay, you've made it and that's like, you've, so you've, you've climbed that mountain and then a point comes, as you know, where it dawns on you, is anybody going to see this? And we then started going, oh well we've got to try and show it in festivals just so distributors can see it. The first festival we sent it to was, I think, Sundance, no thanks, mm -hmm. Berlin, no thanks, mm. and then you're like, oh man. Mm. So then we showed it to Tribeca, mm -hmm. they said yes, and the good, but the good thing was it showing it there was, and why it's such a good festival is, it's in America, mm -hmm. it's becoming more known now. It's not as packed full of films like, mm -hmm. say, Berlin mm -hmm. or Cannes, which is just crazy. Mm. Um, and it doesn't seem to be as centered on American films as well. Um, I might be wrong on that, but it's where Sundance is mix. quite yeah. um, the American industry oriented. It has a good it? mix, and so, and the thing is too that if you have a good film at a kind of smaller festival, you sort of stand out because that's the film everybody's trying to see. Yeah. And like in Tribeca, we had like four screenings first one was pretty full and then after that they were all yeah. full and you couldn't get tickets and that's great then because when your producer is trying to do the deal to find distributors yeah. it's creating heat yeah. so we got to the point where you know we were talking to four or five distributors so we'd gone from position of is anybody going to see this film to being mm -hmm. in a very good situation and Magnolia bought the film mm -hmm. released it in America okay it's a, I suppose by any standards, an art house release. Mm -hmm. But that that happens, yeah. it just means the film has gone on to a whole other yeah. level that, you know, it's uh, it's possible to reach it. Yeah. Okay, it's Even not. It's, it's catalogued, you know, yeah. and actually and now, because of other, once it gets to the theatrical platform, you know, video on demand, yeah. all the other formats that you can get access to something that 
and it's weird that it's the festival has become more important to try and get yourself through that little hoop so you can get out into that wider patch That's afterwards. And I know it's very hard at the end of a film to have the stamina even to yeah. think about all that stuff because you're so knackered. Yeah. Like we literally finished this film the week before we showed it in Tribeca and you're just exhausted but it's so important to try and keep thinking yeah. ahead and think about how can we because it's not like you have a, even have a poster yet you don't yeah. but people are going to be asking you what is this film and yeah. you've got to be prepared to in a sense start marketing it yeah, yeah. as yeah. something how, which, can, how can you attract people to what, want to go and see it exactly. in a simple way yeah. so all that stuff then kicks into play yeah. but, um, where do you see your revenue coming from like which platform do you, would you reckon would it be DVD or would it be VOD yet or? yeah it was, uh, it's been on VOD in America yeah. The cinema release, I suppose. It's done well by all accounts. I mean, I don't know the full thing, but I, I, I was hearing it was doing well anyway. It seems it? to have done really well. Yeah. Um, critically, it did very well, which helps that yeah. kind of thing because yeah. their kind of niche audience will look for it. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, now it seems to be doing okay, but the great thing too is that when you make something for two million, you don't feel any of that pressure. If you <laughs> make a film, say, for in the, in the good old days for Miramax and say it was seven or eight million, yeah. If that film doesn't start making money, yeah. not only is maybe your film considered a kind yeah. of a failure, you are sort of considered. And they pre-sold, they pre-sold the film to distributors. So it's not just them; it's the distributors are, you know, have an interest in it. They're all saying, "Oh, did so and so's good in our territory? Would you cast?" You know, there's a there's exactly all yeah. that comes into it. Exactly, yeah. The cast, the pressure to, for casts yeah. then can become bizarre because yeah. you sort of you end up realizing that you're not going to get your film made unless you kind of miscast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which yeah. is a kind of bizarre yeah. situation yeah. to be in. What's or, the story with the cinema release here? Is that a, is that going to happen? I don't know. I don't really think so. <laughs> Maybe because because of the RT screening Christmas. Movie. Yeah, I mean, we've shown it to, like, the distributors here and even, like, the Lighthouse and all that. They're sort of, once it's been on TV, they're just like, no. But I, my argument would always be, it's only going to help the TV audience. Yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely. It's a profile it's that. Short yeah, time. because you're getting twice the publicity. You get two bites at that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, but I think in RTE's case, it was, I don't, I think for them to justify giving us whatever it was, 600,000 euros, it was very hard for them probably to say to mm -hmm. their, the guy who signs the check, and oh, it's going to be in the cinemas first. I think it was probably just mm -hmm. a deal breaker. The way that they could give us that money, which they don't give to anything, was that they were saying this is a, mm -hmm. a, a premiere. But you know, in a funny way, it's not the worst thing in the world in the sense that you can still sell it and have it seen in co countries outside of Ireland. Irish films here, you can get them released, and you, if you're lucky, they can mm -hmm. make a little bit of a dent. But often they're gone mm -hmm. within, you know, two weeks, gone. And because the the mass of international films constantly vying for our very limited mm -hmm. exhibition space is. Uh, <coughs> we've had a very, we've had this the same conversation again and again about the Irish audiences. Uh, version to go and see Irish films. John Carney was here yes. last week. Was it last John week? Carney no. as well, yeah. He was saying the same thing, yeah. And Tom Warren, Secret of Kells, like it came out and nobody went to see it, and then, you know. It was the same with Once, I mean, I don't yeah, think same everybody once, saw yeah, it on DVD, it. you know. Uh, well, the good thing for, say, RTE, even if they think about it in the future, like their logo coming up the front of this film being seen in countries that, what's mm -hmm. RTE? I mean, it's good for them, you know. Um, well, particularly when, thing, you know, if there's uh, satellite broadcasting where you can might be able to, you know, in the future, you'd presumably be able to might pick it up in another territory or something, you know. It's, yeah. it's good for that. But one of the things I was wondering, if there was, I mean, and obviously it's ridiculous, you know, suggesting what they should do, or, but the, the idea, I was just thinking, if it was our... Maybe the thinking if it was or maybe there's some simple differences like if it was RTE filmed yeah. events, yeah. so that they present themselves as a film. Well, maybe um, the next gig that company or production company. Or something if if, if any, you know if they get a gig like that again if they offer a gig like that to any mm. filmmaker it might be to suggest you know to RTE you know fan of them. Have, you know, like if they have films in front of it. Totally. Yeah. So have I mean, a brand like that. It's part of their brand. Think about it unless yeah. you suggest it. Mm -hmm. <coughs> I think they're part of then. I don't know. Like any state body, which they are, it's riven with political 
uh, insecurity in a way. And, you know... I think there was something as well, at a certain stage there was a philosophy, and maybe it still exists, that in some way people making TV shouldn't be making cinema and shouldn't be bothered making cinema. And that, that, and that philosophy was ingrained and it's there. And whether... I mean, I don't know the business like well enough to say whether it makes sense for them or not, ultimately. Yeah. But I just look at, uh, say, Channel 4 and uh, BBC Four. Films yeah. and how much uh, of their image is created because of the, the rare they generate films like Trainspotting and all of those sort of things. Yeah. Yeah. Mike Lee. And, you, know. you see, I think 20, 26% of the output from RTE is a film. It's a feature film. They show feature films. Mm. It's really, really high Is it that? Is it that? I, I, well, I heard that. It must be. That's what the number that twigged in my head because about yeah. two years ago or something, they didn't come to the Galway Film Flat and the word that came down from the, the corridors of power was, uh, we're a television company. Why would we go to your market and all that's all to do with film? Yeah. And, uh, you know, in that discussion, somebody came up with, well, you know, that's a bit odd. I think it was actually someone from TG Carr said, that's mm. a bit odd, because when I was there, 26% of oh, uh, their output was. So oh. it sounded so accurate that I, I bought into that. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, it and there's quite a good audience for, like, I th uh, well, again, I'm not completely up to date of these, but I remember there was a season of Irish films shown a few years ago, and they all did quite well. Um, in terms of the audience figures, like it was, you know, films that maybe were marginal as well in terms of the type of film it was, mm. and it got a good audience. The, the, the other thing that I just to digress slightly, the other th the other thing that that argument um, sort of um, questions uh, programming films is that they're not they're not proper lengths either. You know, some can mm. be 120, some can yeah. be 93, and that TV you're meant to, you know, it's hard you to argue turn. about five minutes there or six minutes where we got an eight minute mm. short. Oh, we can't put that in. It was five minutes we might put it in because we got slots and we got yeah. times. Well, how come then 26 the output is yeah. film and it's all over the place? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th I think that's a great point you're making. I think mm. that there's, like, oh, as you say, like, why not have RTE films? I think in a small country like this, they would be doing the culture that they're supposed to be representing a service by trying to support every element of drama that they mm -hmm. can, be it feature film, be it mm -hmm. TV drama, you know. Mm. How, how hard is it to get it from the money from RTE? What happened was, um, when we went to them first, I had despaired because Film 4 was like, no, BBC Film was like, no, everywhere I was like, no, 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 no. So I just said to Billy one day, I said, do you think we should try and make this as a TV drama? Because, you know, we're not, it's like really hard to get it made as a film. And he was like, well, look, we should just talk to anybody. So we went in to RT, we got a meeting with them. They read it, they liked it. At that stage, it was still just very much a kind of about a literary festival. <laughs> None of these sort of genre elements, really. And um, they were like, yeah, you know, it's, uh, this could be good for us. And I said, what kind of budget can you give? And they said, well, if it's, um, if it's just for us, if it's, you know, this, they said that they could give something, I think it was like one point something million euros. Like, it was good budget, you know, you could make mm -hmm. it, you know. And I said, well, look, this is maybe what we have to do. But then I remember I went to our producer, Rob, I don't know how I'd gone to that meeting without letting him know. And he, and he said, uh, he just said to me, he said, look, if you go that way, it's not a feature film anymore. He said, I think we should take less money from them and, you know, still try and go, but try, you know, keep them on board, but don't let them take over. And um, that was how it went. So I suppose the funny thing was they never let go of it because even like a year later when we sort of then got our ducks in a row with the film board and with the BCI and the tax break and all that, we turned around and said, okay, listen, we're going to do this now, but it's kind of a horror film now. Do you know what I mean? Which should have been for them like, what? Yeah. But they never wavered. It was kind of a funny thing. There was just something about it that they just never let go of. And I can't explain that. Mm -hmm. I know it should have been a total nightmare, but RTE were in fact probably the easiest part of the process, and it's a once we had them, you see, the film board where it, they they see the film board. Once you have any kind of money from anywhere else, whether they think the film is crap or not, they have a remit to try and help that film get made. So we knew as long as we were working. But having said that, because it took so long, this film we started working on this in 2004, right? By the time we shot it in 2008, we were onto our third head of the film board at that time okay so Simon Perry had just come in mm -hmm. sort of we were talking that Simon Perry was really into it so the timing was was good like that but yeah the hard part was all 
to like 2004 to 2007 <laughs> like that was where it was like it's like that old story like nobody they look at it and they go um, who's going to be in it is Brendan Gleeson going to be in it <laughs> he might be no I'll come back when he is you know it's mm. it's you know we're a small country a small economy and there's not like a lot of money sloshing around for films yeah. here and mm. if you look at Canal Plus in um, France HBO America BBC obviously Film 4 I mean there's a there, we have to think that way yeah we should and perhaps maybe like um, a body like the Guild can be you know instrumental in having some kind of little think tank with the powers that be there, you know, and they could be amenable to it. Because you know what, like, whenever you do something in other countries, one of the things that people always talk about with Irish as, you know, as our brand or our culture is, our storytelling, that's what they think is something we seem to be very good at. And you always hear it again and again. Mm -hmm. And they do, especially in America as well, like, they do really, they, they don't, like, where we have an aversion to Irish films, they have a kind of attraction to it. Mm -hmm. And I remember when Billy and I were sort of working on this, I remember Billy said to me, just on this point, he said, we need to be making films that are Irish in the way that French films are French, that it's a good thing. It's like, you know, because people go, oh, French cinema, I love French cinema. He said, we need to be making films that people go, oh, I love Irish cinema, and not to be ashamed of it, you know? But there's a two-way street there, isn't there, as well? Like, it's like, it's, it is... The filmmaker needs to do it, and there's a sort of confidence trick about that in some ways, you know. Uh, but also there's the percep audience's perception of what things are, and they sort of feed each other a bit. What scene are you happy with most? Uh, what scene am I happy with? Um, I love things where it just doesn't go where you think it's going to go, and I don't mean in any kind of flashy way. I love it at the end of the scene where, after the wardrobe, and his daughter says, you want a cup of tea? and then he leaves and we just see her go and open the shutters. Mm -hmm. I sort of just like those moments where we just constantly are, you don't know what's gonna happen, so mm -hmm. you, we're not even gonna leave this kitchen. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just, I don't know why, but you know, on the day when you're doing that, you're like, why am I doing this? But you, you know, it's those things just to, I, I like a lot. I like, um, and I love the scene where he falls into the hole yeah. Just simply because as well, like, we got that, I mean, if we tried to shoot that even 90 seconds later, the light wouldn't have been there, you know, yeah. and so you love, so it's always a lovely memory of, we got that, it's been pissing rain all day, it's kind of like this now for the last 10 minutes, can we get this shot even set up and like the guy, where's the fucking guy with the, you know, and the van's coming up the hill, like, whoa, where are we? And you're like, you're gonna have and you sort of um, go mad to get the shot, but then when you get it, you know, and you know you get it because when we shot this film was on the red camera. When you look in that um, that monitor, you're pretty much able to see what what you have. It's not like shooting on film. You're like, oh, I hope now it's gone. There's enough light. I don't know. Um, so you walk away and you've got this little feeling in your bones, and you go, that's great. Now we've got that. You know, nobody else knows. It's a little bit of what I like about that as well. There's a bit of the stupid again about it. You know, just the a bit of mad energy or comic energy that comes in and you're able to rein that into the romance and rein it into uh, you know the, the general tone yeah just a very efficient way of bringing them together in a yeah. sort of an unexpected moment yeah. you know yeah of course we used it when I went down as well yes which is there, yeah, yeah. It's a good trick yeah. but his, uh, his, his body language as he fell out, came out that was, I think he must have hurt himself because he walked like a hurt person. The, I thought that was amazingly plausible rather than the way you're supposed to on the film. Well, he's I a bit emotionally was... hurt that she's laughing at him as well, which yeah, is nice, isn't it? Pissed you know, he's, he's a he's, bit... Yeah, but because we were losing the light, we shot that without rehearsing. Really? And it's all in one shot, so yeah. it was like, that was, again, that's it's amazing. Was, was there anything in that hole, like a mattress? Or yeah, there was a mattress. We dug the hole. Right. Okay. Oh, really fast, you just went to dug a hole. No, they had dug it oh, earlier on, and we were, okay. we were filming down in the cottage filming the scene where they're where they hear the banshee hmm. we were filming that stuff and then it was like oh god I wonder do we have time because that was up on the hill sort of up around it. but then of course you always see when you're making a film as you know it's like nothing happens like you go oh let's go up there and do that now it's like okay well let's let's start tidying up here then you know <laughs> no, we're, not gonna, we're not gonna make it you know what I mean and um, so it was one of those trying to get up there and by the time we got up 
But of course, the thing is about shooting in the magic hour is it's much later than you think because your eye is gradually going yeah. to go, oh, this is it now, this is magic hour now. Yeah. But of course, if you wait, another minutes, no, no, this is it actually, yeah. this is it. And the thing is, it's so quick, it's yeah. gone. Yeah. So uh, that's why I'm particularly proud of that shot because I think that's right there, right on the, the margin. Yeah. Anything else or should we? I just want to say that um, it was my second time watching the film and definitely the kind of the, the human elements touched more this time, I think, for some reason. And you were asking about your favourite scene in the film. But I think it, for me it's, it's, it's when the father-in-law dies and he goes to uh, the writer to, for, for comfort, really. And it kind of reminds you of that moment in your life when something fantastic happens or something shit happens. You just want somebody close to you to share that moment, and yeah. that was brought out so well at the end of that scene. Well, I have to say, look, I mean, Kieran Hines, I, you know, a lot of the time I didn't even, we did, I purposefully wouldn't even discuss what we were doing. No. Just, I'd just leave him and just start, just start shooting, mm. and uh, a lot of the times the first take is just something about what he's doing. So, yes, you know. Yes. You shot that scene with a shutter angle as well, in a different shutter angle, and it has that thing, particularly with the light coming into the we lens. We did, yeah, we did. Ivan said to me, he goes, this is what they did on Saving Private Ryan. I was, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it's not that kind of film, so it's going to be great. So, yeah. I think, I think it works, because you don't, I think, because you're not doing it all the time, and there's a few times where you, the camera movement change, you know, there's a yeah, handheld, yeah. I think a handheld shot, or when he comes out after that's when he's found the thing and the little dutching and all that. Yeah, you're yeah. not doing too much. Yeah. So when you do it, I think you've a, you've a license to do it, and it's not tricksy. It sort of it feels that it works for the thing. I thought it was great. Yeah, well, we had great. I mean, I have to say, Ivan McCullough, if you're ever looking for DP, lovely, yeah, lovely young DP, done a few things now, yeah. really coming up, and. Um, Fantastic camera operator, uh, Roger Ro Tooley. Tooley is great, yeah. He's a credible steady cam yeah, and, and general operator. And great energy he brings great to the set. Energy, but just also as well, just helping you to pick a shot and all yeah. that. Uh, I mean, you, you were talking guy. about um, Mark Garrity and Roger would be another type of one of those guys yeah. that you really, they're into the thing so much. They're, like they're, it's, they're bathed in it a bit, you know? Totally, totally. That's, I mean, you got to surround yourself with, with that good energy, mm. you know, definitely. Uh, I have to say, we had a great time making this film. It was one of those films that just had a lovely feeling mm -hmm. when we were doing it. And, uh, you know, so even if nobody had seen the film, you would kind of come away going, that was a great time of my life, you know. And mm. I suppose you have to remember that too. Mm -hmm. It takes us so long to get to the point of making a film, not to forget to. Yeah. Somehow make it mean something to you. Enjoy the process totally, of it. Yeah. Because you're living your life through it. You're living moment. your life through it, and it is yeah. a very special time. Very yeah. special time looking down that lens and capturing something. Yeah. It's, uh, and there is know. a privilege of be you know ha being given money t to make something. You know, there, yeah. there's a great opportunity. Totally, yeah. totally. So, yeah. well, thanks for watching Hi. tonight, watching Hi. tonight, guys. Thanks, Connor. Thank you for listening to SDGI Directors in Dialogue. For more information on the Screen Directors Guild of Ireland, visit us at www.sdgi.ie.